Good morning. Good to see you all. So we're carrying on this morning with our series on imperfect people in the hands of a perfect God. But actually this morning, uh, the person I'm going to talk about is not so much imperfect as just really rather ordinary. Someone I think we can all relate to in one way or another. So this morning I'm going to tell you the story of Naomi. So no name is here in the congregation this morning that I can see, so there's no one to embarrass. Um, but you know the name Naomi is derived from a Hebrew verb, and that verb means to be pleasant, to be sweet, delightful, or beautiful, which I'm sure is completely appropriate. <laughs> then I know that many of you will have heard the story of Naomi before. For those of you who haven't, I suggest that you might like to read it in full later. You'll find it in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. So I don't have time this morning to go through it in detail. I'm just going to give you a bit of a summary just now. So Naomi was born in Bethlehem in the time of the judges, so probably a bit more than a thousand years before Jesus was born. We don't know anything about her early life. The first we hear about her, she's married to a man whose who's name always um, struggled with is Elimelech, and they had two sons, Marlon and Chilion. And there's nothing to suggest that up to this point in her life there's anything out of the ordinary. But then there was famine in the land, and they were forced to leave their home and the tight-knit community they were part of and travel to Moab to find food. Now, Moab was only about 50 miles away, which doesn't sound very much to us, but for them, it probably represented a couple of weeks of hard walking. And when they got there, they would have found themselves in a different kingdom with a different culture, probably a different language, or at least a different dialect, and amongst people that they didn't know. Now, I'm not saying that Naomi necessarily had an easy life back in Bethlehem, but it certainly got just a lot harder, and it was going to get worse. While they were living there in Moab, her husband died. She had two sons. They both married local girls, but after about 10 years, they died too. So let's pause for a moment and think of what Naomi must have felt at this point. She was just an ordinary lady from a small village. She probably didn't have great expectations of life, but even so, surely she couldn't have seen this coming. Here she was, far from home, far from her community, no husband, no sons, no one to look after her. She must have felt very lost and alone. And actually, we don't have to speculate on that too much because she renamed herself Mara, which means bitterness, because she said, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. He has testified against me and brought calamity on me. So at this point, Naomi made the decision to leave Moab and return home. Now, when I said she was alone, that's not strictly speaking true, because she did have her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, and they started to travel back with her. But on the way, perhaps remembering how difficult she had found it away from her family and her community. She turned to her daughters-in-law and she thanked them for the way that they had shown love to both her and her sons. But she said to them that you go back to your families. They had nothing to gain, she said, by staying with her. And reluctantly, because evidently both Orpah and um, Ruth loved their mother-in-law, Orpah turned back and went. But Naomi, uh, but sorry, but Ruth uh, wouldn't go. 
Now, if you've ever heard the story of Naomi, um, you will certainly have heard what Ruth said to her at this point. She said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do, um, do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Well, you couldn't really argue with that, and Naomi didn't. Now, I've been emphasizing the fact that Naomi was quite ordinary. In some senses, she was. She wasn't a great warrior. She never aspired to or achieved any great status. She didn't have any great prophetic insights. She didn't do anything that was spectacular. She just lived the same kind of life as countless other people. And yet, in the midst of a very trying and very difficult life, a life of pain and hurt and loss, she evidently made a huge impression on Ruth. Something in the way she lived, something in her character, something in the way that she professed her faith in God, something powerfully attracted her daughter-in-law and inspired this complete loyalty. See, in the middle of the darkness, something of the heart of a good and loving God shone out through Naomi and made a difference. So they returned to Bethlehem and they arrived just in time for the barley harvest. And from here, the focus of attention in the story shifts from Naomi um, to Ruth with Naomi just sort of hovering in the wings, caring for her daughter-in-law, watching out for her, advising her, and perhaps playing the part of matchmaker as well. And so at the end of the story, we read that Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi, took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. I don't know about you, but I love a happy ending, and this was a happy ending. So Naomi was just an ordinary person. Well, that probably describes most of us, doesn't it? I think when I was young, I probably had hopes that I would distinguish myself in some way. But the reality is that my life has followed pretty much the same kind of trajectory as countless other people. At school, I was always Mr. Average. Now, I know that we all have different ways of evaluating ourselves, but that's what I felt. I never came first. I was never in the top set for maths or English. I worked hard. I I really did. Um, but I never felt that I excelled. I did quite well in my A-levels, but I struggled at university. I did all right, but not as well as I hoped. And talking of university, there is a story that I must tell you that's relevant. While I was there, I attended a a local church, and I was a part of one of their midweek 
um, group meetings. And at one of these meetings, one of the other people in the group, he turned to me and he said, you know, Adrian, you're one of these grey kind of people. <laughs> he said, you're the sort of person that if you go to a party, people can't remember if you were there or not. <laughs> now, I hope that none of you say things like that to each other at our small group meetings. I'm sure you don't. To this day, I'm really not at all sure what it was that he thought he was trying to achieve. But anyway, the fact is, there is an element of truth in what he said, because, you know, I am and was an ordinary person in a world that is full, largely, of ordinary people. But you know what? That's okay. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So this is Paul writing. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We might be ordinary or average. We might not be wise by the world's standards or powerful or noble or successful or strong or rich or clever or whatever is the yardstick by which you measure yourself and compare yourself. But if you are in Christ, then he has become your wisdom and your righteousness and your sanctification and your redemption. In Christ, we are children of God. In Christ, we have and we are more than we could ever have imagined possible. We might be ordinary people, but we are not little people. We might be ordinary, but we are not insignificant. We might be ordinary, but God has chosen us and has a purpose for us. You know, the reality is that there are no little people, actually. Every single person that has ever lived was made in the image of God. Every person there ever was or ever will be was made so that they could have relationship with the creator of the universe. When God made Adam and Eve, they were glorious. They were the pinnacle of God's creation. Now, we know that sin came. The relationship with God was broken. Man, together with the rest of creation, became subject to weakness and decay and death. Man exchanged the glory of God for a lie and became capable of great evil. Our hearts and our eyes were shout, uh, clouded so we could no longer see God. We became shadows of what we used to be. And yet, we retained the imprint of God. And God's plan was that we would be restored. And through the Old Testament, what we see is the story of a gracious and a patient and a loving God outworking his purpose to bring redemption and restoration 
to the people that he had made. And the story we're looking at today, the story of Naomi, was a part of that bigger story. A story that culminated in the coming of Jesus to die on the cross. And just as we were made in the image of a holy God, so Jesus came in the image of sinful man. And bearing our image and bearing our sin, he died so that we could be restored to the glory of God. He became our righteousness, our sanctification, and our justification and our redemption. And one day, when the last trumpet sounds, we will be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. Just as we have borne the image of this man of dust, so we will bear the image of the man of heaven. We will be like God, and we will see him as he is. Our eyes will be opened, and we will bask in the glory of his presence. Now, that day hasn't come yet. And as we look at ourselves, that certainly isn't what we see. We still see the weak and fading human body, prone to sin, easily distracted, lacking in faith. And none of this is hidden from God. But what he sees are his children. In Ephesians Paul tells us that we have been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. The reality of who we are is so much more than what we see. A few verses on, we're told that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. Each one of us here who is in Christ have been made new. We have been elevated to a position of authority and power We are ordinary people by all the marks by which the world measures, but we are not little people. We are the children of the living God, and he has called us for purpose. We are his workmanship created for good works, which God has already planned for us. We have a part to play in the purpose of God. So let's return to Naomi. I chose to speak speak about her because she is so ordinary, which means I can relate to her. She wasn't born into a noble family. She wasn't rich or privileged. She didn't have any special talents that we know about. She didn't enjoy great success in life. She didn't become a great hero or leader or warrior. She grew up, she got married, and she had children. Really, life just happened to her. She responded to events as they occurred. And I think that in that way, she was probably similar to many of us. And yet, God used her. She played a part in his great plan. So even before God created the world, he knew that man would rebel and become separated from him. Even then, he had a plan of redemption for the people he was going to create. Jesus, his son, would come into the world to die in their place so they could be reconciled to him. And through the Old Testament, what we see is that plan unfolding. And here in the story of Naomi and Ruth, we see a crucial stage in that plan. You see, through Naomi, Ruth, her daughter-in-law, came back to Bethlehem. And there she married Boaz, who had a son called Obed, who, as we have seen, was the grandfather of David. And he, of course was an ancestor of Jesus. So Naomi, that very ordinary lady, played a part in the coming of the Savior himself. She played a part in God's plan of redemption for the world. She played a part in seeing the kingdom of God come. 
And that's what we want, isn't it? To see the kingdom of God come. We pray often, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And it will come. But it will come as ordinary people, people like you and people like me, fulfill the calling of God on our lives. And we must not discount ourselves because we will hinder the work of God if we do. There'll be no praise from Jesus if we say that we failed to act because we didn't think we were good enough. We have been made by God for purpose. And we're not being humble if we excuse ourselves from his service on the ground of our perceived weaknesses, whatever they might be. Actually, we're effectively saying to God, you've got it wrong. Don't wait until you feel you are ready before you start to serve God. Because you will never really feel ready. Don't wait until you are perfect. Because that day is never going to come. Similarly, let's not wait for some kind of glamorous opportunity that might arise sometime in the future. Because it might not. The time for action is now. For Naomi, there never was a time that would have seemed good enough to her. For Naomi, that great opportunity never came. There was no great heroic moment in her life. No great time of drama. She just lived day by day for God's glory. And we must do the same. The time God will use us to bring his kingdom is today. Here, now, as we gather together. It's later when we go home. It's tomorrow when we go to the office or the school or whatever it is that we do. However mundane and ordinary that might appear to be. We can be used by God to bring his kingdom as we join in a prayer meeting. Or show kindness to a neighbor. Or serve coffee on a Sunday morning. Or care for a sick relative. For sure, God might have some special task for you, some bigger kind of thing. But even that is most likely to be revealed to you in the course of your day-to-day service. Don't wait for some possible thing in the future. Be faithful now in the ordinary things of everyday life. See, Naomi served and honored God in the ordinary course of her life, and God used her in the part of his great plan he wants to do the same with each of us the second point i just want to touch on briefly is the very obvious fact of her great suffering his name his life might have been very ordinary in some ways but it was also marked by incredible pain and difficulty as we've already seen early in their marriage there was a great famine in the land and she was forced to leave her family her friends her community her social network her house her livelihood and travel to a foreign country just so they could find food to eat. While they were there, so far from her home, her husband died, then her sons. No wonder when she arrived back in Bethlehem, she said to the people, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. You know, the world we live in is full of pain and suffering, and that touches even God's own children. I know there are people here today, the people in our, in our community, that are suffering pain and loss. And there are a few of us who can't look back to times of bereavement and sickness and hurt. 
I know some of these things can cast long shadows. And in this way, we are all like Naomi. To some degree or another, we have all experienced bitterness in life. And it's not my purpose this morning to look at the subject of pain and suffering. I don't have time for that. But the point I want to draw out from the life of Naomi today is that despite her great trials, God still used her. God's plan wasn't derailed because of the sufferings and the hardships that Naomi experienced. In fact, God used the circumstances of Naomi's life and wove them into his purpose. See, our God is a God of redemption. He can take even the broken things of our lives and use them for his glory. Nathan gave us a great picture some weeks back about the Japanese art form where they take a broken pot and glue it together and make something very beautiful out of it. Well, this is what our God does. I should say that I don't think we will always get to appreciate those things ourselves. See, Naomi got to have the joy of a grandchild, but she had no idea of the significance of that child in God's purposes. And similarly, we might get glimmers of what God might be doing, but often we don't really see or understand how God is using our circumstances as a part of his plan. Which is why there are times when we just have to trust God and press on anyway, and that can be hard. But God will have his way. His purpose will be fulfilled. So partly I bring this as an encouragement to, uh, particularly to those who are experiencing particular times of difficulty just now, but partly it's a reminder to all of us who are here, um, who have or uh, experienced suffering in this life, we are not excluded from God's plans. We haven't been forgotten. We still have a part to play. In fact, it's often, I think, when we are experiencing the greatest darkness that our light can shine the brightest. We mustn't discount ourselves um, because of the circumstances we find ourselves in, however hard they might be. Naomi was just an ordinary person, just like most of us. Naomi experienced a very difficult life, just like some of us. But none of this was a barrier to God who delights in using the ordinary, the low, the weak, and the despised to be part of his purpose. So a very simple message today. No matter who you are, no matter how ordinary you feel, no matter the circumstances that you are going through, you are special in the eyes of God. He has chosen you for purpose. He has a part for you to play in bringing in his kingdom. So I want to encourage you to rise to that challenge. To make it a part of your daily prayer to ask, Father, let your kingdom come. And, Father, please use me. Thank you.